One of the great uh, beauties of Luke's account, both Matthew and Luke, of course, tell the story of the birth of Jesus, each in their own way. One of the beauties of Luke's account is how he describes the unfolding reality of Jesus' birth not only before he is born, that is to say, the Annunciation first to Elizabeth, or rather to Zechariah, who's married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a cousin of Mary. And the angel Gabriel tells of the miraculous conception which will take place in that Elizabeth will bear a son who will be called John, who then, of course, becomes the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus, who would baptize him in his adult life. And then, of course, the Annunciation uh, to Mary, that Mary will conceive and bear a son whose name shall be Jesus, which means God saves us. Jesus, the, the Greek version of the Hebrew word Yeshua or Joshua, God saves. And then the wonderful narrative of the birth about how Mary and Joseph, who have to respond to the unjust injunction of the emperor that they leave their home in Nazareth and travel in difficult circumstances and in their poverty to Bethlehem and there is no place for them. Perhaps they couldn't even afford a place. And so they end up sleeping in a manger um, in the stable and they're laying their child in a manger. And the visit of the angels to the shepherds who come, and how Mary keeps all these things and ponders them in her heart. One of the things we know about uh, Jesus, particularly from the Gospel of Luke, is that his parents are deeply faithful, as we noted before in the children's message. He knows the scriptures thoroughly. He exhibits this as an adult when he begins his ministry. And the only way he could become so familiar with the scriptures, of course, is that he had spent a lifetime, week in and week out, going um, to the synagogue to study the scriptures and to pray and to learn about how God's faithfulness brings to the people of Israel and even to the Gentile world that saving love. And so we know about Jesus because we know about his parents, Mary and Joseph, and how on this day they come up to Jerusalem to give thanks to God uh, for his life. But even this event, prescribed by the teachings of God, the Torah, the law in Leviticus, and then reiterated in the book of the prophet Samuel, even this event will be transformed by the Holy Spirit working through individuals. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, and in this, two ancient prophets will respond to the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts, which is the second volume of Luke's narrative of Jesus and the early church, 
are marked by the prevalence of the Holy Spirit that moves, motivates, and directs people. The principal actor, particularly in the Book of Acts, is the Holy Spirit and people's response uh, to that spirit. And so from the second chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 22. When the time came for their purification, for Mary and Joseph, for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought the child up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then in verse 23, an explanation. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And so then in verse 24, and so they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Notice this phrase, the Holy Spirit rested upon Simeon, just as the Holy Spirit would descend upon Jesus at his baptism and rest upon him. And throughout the remainder of the gospel and then in the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples of Jesus at Pentecost, the gift of the Spirit, the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit rested upon Simeon and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, that is, Christ. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what is customary under the law, Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, in light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul as well.
there was a prophet, Hannah, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She too was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after their marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, Hannah came and began to praise God and to speak about to the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And there the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The beauty of Christmas tide, the days from the 25th to the 6th of January, is it provides us the opportunity, as in Luke's gospel, to reflect upon, meditate upon, and to revel in the wonders of this narrative. Christmas is not a day. Christmas Day, yes, but Christmas itself is 12 days long. Christmas tide, these 12 days until the arrival of the Magi, having searched for Jesus coming from the east, looking for the one to be born, the King of the Jews, a light to the Gentiles and all the world. This is one of the great, remarkable, transformative ideas in each narrative, enunciated here by Simeon in Luke's Gospel and the arrival, the epiphany, the showing forth of God's love to the Gentile magi who have come from the east, that the light of God's love shines out through Israel, God's covenant people, to all the world. That the salvation in which Israel lives in its covenant with God is now a salvation which is open, shining forth, transcendent and drawing unto itself all the peoples of the world. A huge leap in human consciousness to understand that a god is not the province or possession of a particular people. In the ancient world, of course, people thought that we have our gods and the people on the other side of the hill, they have their gods. And they understood those gods to be in competition with one another. There were multiple gods, but there was no one god of all creation. And the great insight, the growing consciousness of the people of Israel fulfilled in the life and the ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus, is that this love is not for a one person or one people, but it is for all people, all of God's creation, all of God's beloved children. 
The scandal of particularity is shown that this comes true to us in one particular person. And so the birth, as we've noted before, entails ultimately the death of Jesus. The birth of Jesus is transformative because it reveals to us the presence of God who comes to be with us, Emmanuel. God has come not that we have to aspire and transcend to God, but that God descends and transforms and becomes incarnate in our lives, in our world. In your life and in mine, and in all the people's people of the world, the presence, the living, vital love of God, the love of God for each and every person. We can say these words, they come trippingly from the tongue, they form a cornerstone of our faith. But in truth, if we reflect more deeply upon this idea that God's love is as much for my enemy as it is for me, we recognize the truly radical nature of the affirmation of God's love in the incarnation and then the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. Because the vision that Jesus articulates that he embodies in his life, his unconditional regard and love for all people ultimately challenges our conceptions and our prejudices and our predilections to divide and in dividing to conquer, to get our own way in the world. And so Christmastide offers us the opportunity, one, to reflect on the presence of God in the babe of Bethlehem, who will grow to be, to be an adult, and in the fullness of his years as an adult, will articulate and embody by the way he carries himself and devotes himself and ultimately gives of himself for the good of all the world. That the fear in which most of us live the fear of exposure, the shame that besets us, the fear that will be found unacceptable, the fear that somebody might get more than me, the fear that if others are advancing, I must be falling behind, the fear that others will try to get the best of me, and therefore I must, before that happens, get the best of them. That fear that drives and distorts, perverts our lives, is overcome in perfect love. Perfect love is articulated in the first letter of John. Perfect love casts out this fear. This light shines in the deepest shadows where the perversions and predilections of our lives threaten to carry us down. And this light carries us out 
into a freedom, into a hope, into a trust, into a salvation. As Simeon says, Lord, now let thou servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation, not a pie in the sky by and by, not some future reward after a a noble and moral life, but a salvation which is here and now, in the liberation of our lives, the freedom of our lives, to live in the conscious understanding that you are the object of God's desire. Salvation is to live in the conscious understanding that you are the object of God's desire. It can take a lifetime to fully appreciate this deep and abiding, challenging truth. And so the 12 days of Christmas are a good place to start on a journey that will last the remainder of our days to come to appreciate, to appropriate, to incorporate, to embody, to become the incarnate presence of God's love. In recognizing that you are the object of God's desire to become the incarnation, yourself, of God's love. Amen.